This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Walkie Talkies is a presentation of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. Hey, Mo! What's up, Walkie Talkies? Welcome back to episode 7 of Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network, featured on iHeartRadio with the coolest walk-on in the country. I'm your host, Noah Bono, and as always, before I get into today's episode, I would like to kindly ask for you to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes, and also feel free to leave it a review after listening or whenever you feel like doing that. Just don't forget, it really does give the show a big boost, so I thank you in advance. Now let's get into today's episode. Today's guest is a walk-on wide receiver from the Ohio State football team, Marvin Davies. Okay, so I don't want to give too much away because I want you to hear it all through the flow of our conversation, but Marv really lays it all out there, and that's why the episode is a little bit longer than normal. Um, I would have made it shorter had it not been this great, but everything that's in there needed to be in there. So I ask if you choose to listen to this episode to please listen to the whole thing. It doesn't have to be in one sitting, but listening to it in its entirety is definitely a must. Um, some things to expect to hear in our conversation uh, is how he got the walk-on spot, uh, being around NFL-level players and competing against them, the dynamic of walk-on versus scholarship when you're in a college football program, the dynamics of travel uh, with the team and how that works, giving his all to the team and it not being reciprocated back, uh, and then the struggle that just came with this journey uh, and ultimately where it's led him to now after uh, two years in the program. 
Those are very broad, but we dive into each one of them. And there's just so much good conversation and parallels of our two stories as a football walk-on and as a basketball walk-on that kind of match up and really open up the conversation. Marv's also super smart and has insanely good perspective and just a great attitude on his circumstances and the reality that he has been in the last two years in the Ohio State football program. So it really was just great getting a chance to talk to him and talk about this journey, talk about this this path that he put himself on and where he looks to take himself uh, in his future. So, so stick around, you won't regret it, and let's get right into it. Here's my full conversation with Ohio State football wide receiver Marvin Davies. Okay, so you joined the team in June of 2020, pretty much in the middle of the pandemic. Um, what kind of went into it, into your decision to want to walk on? How did the walk-on spot come about for you? Uh, for Ohio State football? So I had been recruited uh, by Ohio State since I was a sophomore, uh, just by going to camps and things like that through the program. So I was kind of already connected with some of the coaches. And uh, maybe one or two games into my senior year, I got a call from our player personnel coach asking me would I be interested in walking on with the team. And I really didn't have any big offers at the time or anything like that, you know, due to injuries. And so I was all for it. So I was, you know, as soon as I got everything I needed signed away and, you know, figured out how academically that was going to work for me. I was, you know, ready to go. So I was committed. If you, you know, could say that for a walk on in December of my senior year, and I was just waiting to get on campus in June and then the pandemic kind of happened and it's delayed everything. So when it delayed everything, like, did you not know if you were going to go to Ohio state? Did you have some other offers? I know you said you technically committed in December, um but was there anything else on the table for you like especially coming out of high school in the middle of the pandemic like to maybe go somewhere else or it was Ohio State all along well I chose to go to Ohio State on my own you know how the football recruiting schedule works most of your decisions are solidified you know mid-December early January you know February at the absolute latest so the pandemic hit in March but all my options were pretty much you know solidified by then I had a lot of Ivy school interests, uh, Bucknell, Dayton came to visit, uh, some smaller D1 schools, but it just wasn't what I was looking for at the time. You know, I never won a state championship in high school. You know, Ohio State's a huge winning program. I just wanted to be a part of a winning culture and experience, you know, that side of playing ball. And so I just, you know, had the opportunity and I ran with it. But the pandemic mostly uh, made things uncertain about when we were going to school, you know senior year, they're like, you know, you go home for a couple of days and then you'll be back. And then we never went back to school again. Then, you know, May hit. I'm like, well, if I didn't finish out high school, you know, I don't know when we're going to start classes at O State. People are talking about you know, being virtual and things like that. And then the last week of May, my uh, coach hits me up. You're like, okay, you're good to come down to O State on, you know, June 1st. All the gyms have been closed. We can't get on the field can't run any routes or anything outside of, you know, backyard stuff. So my conditioning is, you know, minimal to say the least, but, uh, and it just, you know, hit the ground running as soon as we got there. And um, they, they gave us a little, a booklet of things that you, you should be doing a transition. So, you know, it, the plan was, was fine, but once all the gyms were closing and I didn't really have a weight set at home. So, you know, they want you to, you know, heavy deadlift and, you know, heavy squat and you're not really having access to all of those things. Right. at home so it was hard to really get those workouts in the way that they would have wanted me to you think you had a bad impression bad first impression when you got there were you like kind of you know mad about 
the player you were giving them off the jump because you know had you been able to work out and really like work on your game before you got there you probably would have had a different first impression than what you gave them I was you know not so much at the program personally I know I'm a competitor I always wanted to do the best that I can but you know the first day we got there we learned the warm-ups and then we're immediately doing you know, combine drills we're running the 40 we're doing the shuttle we're doing all this kind of stuff that I hadn't really been working on for a minute so I, it was really you got you know one practice attempt and then it was timed and everything you did from the second you put those numbers up was you know basically did they write you off did they do you know whatever their thought process was is strictly based on those numbers because they didn't care about the film anymore or anything like that because you're already in the in the program so I would have wished that I had the opportunity to, to put my best foot forward but that just wasn't something I was able to do given the circumstances so it was kind of like an uphill battle for my very first day there mm-hmm. and as a walk-on you know that is already how our structure is supposed to be so it was just kind of adding another layer layer of difficulty to that which was you know, not very beneficial at the time. It took me about a month or so to really feel like I was, you know, ready to to compete. Just because, you know, not from not from just a a player standpoint, but just the the athletes out here. Like, you know, I never was overthrown in high school. I came up here and you know one of my first passes was from CJ actually. I mean he let that thing rip and he's probably 15 yards over my head. I'm sitting here like just just the little things like that that you wouldn't even think about. Like you got to learn the speed of the game. It's just quicker. Like, you know, it's just stuff like that that really makes you think. Yeah. So let's let's kind of dive into that because you were a walk-on wide receiver. Um, you know, obviously I know the role of what a basketball walk-on entails. So before we really dive into the, you know, your full experience in the Ohio State football program, let's just describe what the role of a football walk-on kind of generally entails so people can get an idea of you know what the role of a football walk-on is yeah so I was a preferred walk-on you know there's two different types so that was if you were recruited out of high school but not given a a full athletic scholarship you didn't have to try out you didn't have to do all of those things you were basically already given a roster spot so that's how my path was a little bit different from others but once you get there basically as a walk-on most of the things you have to do are, are scout related so you lift every day when the team lifts. Uh, you go to practice the same time everybody else goes to practice. You you do individual drills with your position group. You know, they don't split it up like that. But the biggest thing that you got to do is scout work. When we come to game weeks and things like that, it's our job to get our offense and defense ready to go out there and perform on Saturday. So, you know, we get the playbook of our other team based on, you know, the film we've watched on them. And I'm running their routes during practice. You know, I'm wearing their jersey numbers all of those type of things so that our defense gets a cue on you know, what's going on uh, offensively for them. So it kind of uh, sets me back in in our offense because most of the time during the season, I'm focused on, you know, learning the stuff from the other team to get them ready. The one cool thing about that is like, I guess, you know, with any scout team is being able to see what all the other teams do and how they run their stuff. Uh, same thing in basketball, like you're running the scout, you know, Davidson's running this, Richmond's running that, like, and, you know, playing in it, you get to kind of get, in a sense, like a little bit more experience than the guys just running Ohio State's offense, because now you're running, you know, seven, nine, ten different program stuff. Like, it almost helps you, you know, learn the game a little bit faster, a little bit easier. Um, so you would say, though, when you're on the scout team, is it a, like, I'm, I'm here because I know my role, what I want to do to help these guys get better, but regardless of how stacked their receiving core is, um, right. So every day in scout team, is there 
there's that mental edge of like, okay, I'm going to do what the coaches tell me, but like, I'm also, you know, I'm out here trying to get noticed as well. Right. There's, there's a little bit, a lot of it comes from, you know, your personal drive, how each individual sets their goals is going to, you know, reinforce what they're, what they're striving for. But there's a little bit of, I wouldn't say politics, but there's like a, a way in which to go about it. So the way I did it was I was always team first over me. And I think that's the most important uh, for any non-scholarship guy, anybody really, but more importantly, non-scholarship, just because of how the spotlight, you know, shifts between players. But when I got there, my, my goal was, you know, on Saturdays, when, when they line up against whoever we're playing and they know the routes, they know, you know, the timing, they're out there anticipating stuff. I know I did my job. So my first year, um, just the way it shook out, I did one-on-ones with Sean Wade every day. And looking back on that, you know, I took that for granted because now Sean's in the NFL, you know, doing things, seven banks, you know, on the other side. But we did one-on-ones every day and I'm just, you know, working them. And I, I got a little excited or, you know, I did, I did my thing when I could uh, throw him off his timing or I caught a pass over him or did stuff like that, where it was like little things, little victories, because mm-hmm. the way they do it is they want the defense to have a hundred percent success rate. Right. So you, know, you make them look bad or you do something that, you know, throws <laughs> them off. They don't like run to play over again. Right. Yep. There's gotta be a fire lit in you to show them what you got. You're running the other team's offense. You know, mm-hmm. you're going at your starting cornerbacks. Like there's, there's gotta be some sort of competitive fire in you. That's like, I'm going to burn him. I'm going to make this nice catch. I'm going to run a great route. I'm going to, you know, try to make a name for myself. This is, this is my time. So how often do you feel like you're making a name for yourself? You're doing the right things. You know, you're maybe catching coach's eye. Like, is it more often than not? Is it not as much as you'd like? Like, where do you feel like, and how do you feel like that, that is brewed for you, you know, while you're, you're on the scout team? See, and that's the toughest part because, you know, scout is tailored to, I always call it for defensive success. So the coaches will scheme up, you know, what play we're running and they'll have the route that they want the guy to throw to highlighted on the page. So, you know, we'll have the playbook out there and they'll hold it up and they're like, okay, you know, Marv, you're here and all the other guys are there. And I look at my routes not highlighted. I already know from the beginning of the play, like I'm not getting it. So I can, you know, break the kid off. I'm running an amazing route. I'm wide open. And I know the quarterback's not looking at me because my route's not highlighted. And it's, it was always like a, a pet peeve of mine. I hated that because, you know, if you want to give a good look, you know, if your first read's not there, the other team's quarterback's not going to force it there, especially if, you know, the second read is wide open. And so it was tough to get scout player of the week and, and earn those accolades, especially as a receiver, because most of the time your success is kind of already dictated before you, you know, make a play on the ball or do anything like that. I hate that. <laughs> I don't like that. I, like, it just, it feels like it takes the competitiveness out of it. It's like, you're giving you could burn your cornerback and you're giving him an out because you weren't, it's, it's, it's robotic. It's like, we can't really go out there and play a real simulated game. Like we're literally being told, ah, I mean, it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, I know nothing about scout team football. I'm just saying in terms of like really being aware and kind of have to think on your feet, like that cornerback is almost being done a disservice because like he could take the play off. He could take a rep off. It's like, I don't know if the defense knows that the ball is not coming to you. So maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm off there. Once but. you get on the, the schedule that we have these sheets, once we finish it like one time, if for whatever reason, you know, they'll watch it back on film and they see me, you know, burn this kid on this route, they're going to run it back again. So they kind of get, and then we shrink it based on problematic plays as we get throughout the week. And so by 
Thursday, we have 40 plays that we need to run over and over and over again just to you know, scheme those up. And then the corners are jumping routes and, and doing all this because I've seen it, you know, nine or 10 times during the week. And it's like, you know, I had you the first four times we've run this route, but we keep coming back to it. And, you know, I'm still not going to get it. And so it's not doing anybody any service to continue to do it that way. But, you know, it's because the coaches want to see how this route is going to line up against this coverage and things like that, which, you know, I'm going to say that they know the, the best way to do it. But as a competitor, it's like, you know, I just want to go play 707 and let the, the best route win and, and just right. throw a jump ball and let, let's see what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, is there any, if you can remember anything, any part of your role that you maybe struggled with initially when you got on the team that you maybe look back at now and you're like, okay, I'm glad I hopped that barrier, got over that. Anything in particular that stands out that was just hard about the role of a walk-on? A lot of it is, is trying to find value. I mean, they bring you in because they think you can you can contribute, but they don't necessarily always tell you how or and where. So, <laughs> right, right. And so, wait, where, where is exactly right? Because I got here, and you know, I I played one one receiver or one position in in high school, and if I switch, somebody let me know. When I got here, Coach Hartline's like, hey, you know, how you increase your value is knowing every position because if we need somebody, we know we can call you, which is way easier said than done because you look at you know coach day is an offensive mastermind so if you could see how thick our playbook is and to learn it from three or four different spots you know you'll have your you know your head spinning and so i tried to figure out you know at first when i got here i'm like okay we're doing receiver drills which line is the shortest i'm hopping that line and try to get in as much as i could and you know not knowing guys not knowing who's in and out you know that kind of fluctuated a little bit but just trying to find your niche find where, where you can make an impact and really excel at that is, is the biggest thing that, you know, was hard for me at first that I just had to kind of work through. Because once you find your value, it's like, all right, now I know my purpose. Now I understand what I can really do every day that I know and the rest of the team knows is going to be beneficial to the overall group. And so that's always like another little reward for you because when you're running around there aimlessly every day, like, well, <laughs> I think I'm doing the right thing. Like, I mean – you're just taking a fucking guess. And at that point, like, you yeah. know, there's no security in that. So it's, it's nice to know what you can do every day that is going to add value. Can you think of one thing that you would say, what would you say is just the hardest thing about being a walk-on in a college football program? There, there's no, as much as you think you can, that you're ready for it, you can never truly understand what you're, what it's going to be like until you step foot in the door, you know, having that team first mindset, having that, you know, whatever comes my way, you know, I'm knocking it out. Like all of that's going to be beneficial, but it gets real. As soon as you walk in and, you know, your, your lockers picked out, your numbers picked out, you, you know, you, you kind of just go with the flow, you know, whatever they tell you to do, you get to, you have to do basically. And it's, it's tough having that, you know, transition and, and the more you are around it, the more used to it you get to. Um, but at first, it always throws you off just because you see guys who were the same age, kind of the same height, same same build. And for just God-given ability, you can see the difference between, you know, what their career looks like, what their day-to-day life looks like, things like that, where, you know, five minutes ago, we were doing the same thing in the weight room, same thing on the field, same thing, but just like as soon as you step foot outside of the woody, or we call it, that's our practice facility. But, you know, the, as soon as you step outside, it, it's totally different. 
like just life in general. And so just being able to to be around guys and watch that happen and, and understand that their path and their goals aren't your goals and that you can have your own and set your stuff. That's, that's probably the biggest thing that was an adjustment for me when I got there. You know, when I walk in, I'm I'm researching, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, who's the guys in the room and we have, uh, you know, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, G Scott was a receiver when he first got here. Like all of these guys, I'm looking at their high school tape. I'm looking at all this stuff like, you know, what can I do that they can't do? What do we do the same? You know, similarities and differences, trying to see where I can um, you know, best fit in. When you get here, you know, coaches have their plan on what they want you to do. They have their path. But you have to realize that I might not do the same things that Jackson does. I might not end up achieving the things that he does. But that doesn't mean what I've accomplished since I've been here is not significant just because we're not on the same field. Or okay. not on the same level. Understand you. So, yeah, that's completely right. It's like it's like say, so, okay, just because you know Jackson gets drafted and Marvin doesn't, that doesn't negate the work and the progress that you made during your time. So because you know they're heck of a talented athletes. I mean, watching everybody at practice every day is like highlight film. Like oh, I it's bet. the craziest <laughs> thing. I bet you see it on Saturdays, and it's like. It's it's a it's a while because it happened in a big moment, but it's like I've seen that same thing nine times or mm-hmm. nine hundred times, and it's just like you get so used to unusual things, like you just don't even take it, you know, you take it for granted sometimes. And it, it's, yeah, it's almost it's, like you become desensitized to it. You're like, oh, I've seen him make that one-handed catch a thousand times, like, and then he does it in the game, and you're like, well, I, you know, I've already seen that. I'm not as excited. <laughs> I mean, you know, the two examples that come off the top of my head as soon as you said that is, um, you know, Jackson, if you if you watch the Rose Bowl, his little his catch in the corner of the end zone where he's just like rolling his head like that in the most impossible catch. And then, you know, Marv Harrison doing his one on one goal line fade for one of the last touchdowns of the game. Those two plays I've seen Marv use that release in practice 400 times and I mean, <laughs> routes the DB up like crazy. He has no clue what's coming. I still couldn't guard if I was in front of him, but I've seen him use that move 400 times. And so it's like, I know it's in his bag. I've seen him rep it. I know that, like, he didn't probably even know he was using it. It was just instinct. And Jackson, you know, we'll just mess around in practice. During, you know, second period, we catch fade, you know, the ends of fades. And I'll just watch him, you know, oh, stick his hand out or, you know, just do things like that. He's just, it's so natural, so instinctual that, like, when they go out there, I'm telling you he's not trying to do it. He's just doing it. Right. So where do you feel like you kind of rank up against some of these big name guys like Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, I mean, he's, his dad was in the NFL. He clearly has an advantage. But, like, you know, just like you have a ton of talented receivers. I'm pretty sure the NFL draft rank, like Chris Chris Olav. I, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. And, Lave. and Yeah, Lave, thank you. And Garrett Wilson, like, they're, like, top five on the receiver oh, boards. Like Right. And so that that's kind of – that's why I wanted to go to Ohio State. You know, I grew up loving playing receiver. Coach Hardline is the best to do it. I mean, you can't go to another school and get coached at the receiver position like Coach Hardline does. And so, you know, the talent gap is is bigger here than if I went to a different school where maybe not everybody, you know, has that type of athleticism, has that type of coaching. So here it's amplified, whereas if, you know, I go 15 minutes down the street, you know, go to another school, maybe in the Big Ten, there, there still would be a talent gap, but I'm telling you, it's much smaller than what's going on here at O-State just because of, you know, the coaching. So what's, what do you think separates you, though? Like, what would you say in your game is different from those guys' games, whether it's size, speed, agility, picking up on schemes quicker? Like, what, what about 
them do you think is, you know, separating you from them that you still probably, you know, need to work on a little bit more? I don't know, however you want to put it, but. I'm, I'm one of the, the bigger guys. There's a couple of guys taller than me, but just from, from weight wise, I'm one of the, the bigger guys. So just playing in my skill set and just being physical, you know, mm-hmm. running to the catch point, being strong, running through contact after the catch, things like that, where, you know, guys might be able to make you miss when they get out here in space. You know, I want to run right through you just because I know that, you know, I might have 15, 20 pounds in the next DB that I have to use that to my advantage because, you know, uh, Jameson Williams from from Alabama used to play here and we you know we did one-on-ones and stuff we raced all the time but Jamo's just going to run right past you and not everybody can run with that flat line speed like he has so you got to know what you have and use that to your advantage you know you always want to see like who you match up with and kind of where you stand and when you're playing with talented guys like that you understand where the bar is at okay that was just a warm-up guys there's still so much more to get into I would have made the episode much shorter if there wasn't this much good stuff throughout it so Walkie Talkies podcast, quick break coming your way. We'll be right back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You're listening to Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network. I'm your host, Noah Bono. Remember, since you clicked this episode, to please stick around for the entirety of it. I swear you won't regret it. Now let's bring back in my guest, Ohio State football wide receiver Marvin Davies. So I counted 117 kids 
on the Ohio State football roster. And to me, that is just absolutely mind-boggling that there could be 117 kids on a team. Like, there's probably a higher percentage of players on that team that have very minimal value than there are players who have value because there's only 22 starters and there's a backup for every 22. So you're looking at about 44 guys that really play. And then the rest of you guys are third string, fourth string, maybe not even on a string. And so how many walk-ons would you say are on your team, including you? Um, and are there any partial scholarships? I don't really think football teams do partials. It's normally just full or none. So what would you say the percentages of that 117 is scholarship and, and walk-on? And it's crazy because that 117, like if you get that off the, the website, you might be missing a couple guys because I know that it took – me, you know, six weeks because uh, I was gone for media day when they took all the headshots. And so I just, you know, wasn't on the active roster for, you know, five or six weeks until they were able to you know, get my picture and put it up there. And so we could have anywhere, we probably have closer to 125 on the active roster, which is incredible to just think about. But um, in terms of how many walk-ons we have, we probably have about 40 or so. We probably have seven to eight each grade mm-hmm. level basically okay. and then depending on what the the gaps in in the scholarship players look like you know some go to the draft some stay you know some transfer the the walk-on number kind of helps mold that out so that we have pretty consistent numbers in our position groups so it's somewhere probably between you know 35 to 40 walk-ons that's a good chunk of the roster i mean especially if you have like I said, 44 guys probably consistently playing. That leaves about another 20 to 30 guys on scholarship mm-hmm. who still aren't even playing. Right. So there's a big ladder to climb for a walk-on to really get on the field. And ultimately, like, you making this decision, like, you, you, you probably knew, you know, what to expect to a certain extent. Now, I don't know if you knew there would be this many guys on the roster. I don't know if you knew exactly where you lay on that 125-man roster in terms of the totem pole. like. You know, if there's 30-ish or so walk-ons, like, are you all necessarily equal? Do they rank walk-ons? Are they, like, where do you guys all lie? Obviously, you know, you're bottom 30. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But, like, there's got to be some competition among, you know, you guys on the scout team and the the scout team quarterback trying to make a name for himself, the scout team defensive tackle, the Mm -hmm. scout team running back, scout team wide, wide receiver like yourself. Like, so what do you feel like? that vibe is like are you guys ranked by the coaches or you all kind of looked at similarly like how does that work I feel like between us players we have a closer bond you know the scout team is probably the closest out of anybody else on the team because we spend the most time together you know in meetings and all of those things that that is like our our unit compared to everybody else so from a competitor you know I'm always going to want to be the guy who catches the the highlighted route or things like that and those things are kind of issued out by seniority so the senior receivers are going to get the targets because they know that they're not going to want to run around and, and do all this for, for nothing, essentially. So that's kind of how it goes in, in touches and things like that, where seniors and guys who've been there the longest are kind of first in line and, and it kind of just trickles back from there. So, uh, but from the guy's standpoint, nobody looks at each other from like, you know, I know I'm better than this guy or this guy, you know, shouldn't be playing as much as me or things like that because we kind of have this shared bond of, of going through the, the additional struggle together of this right. that, you know, nobody else wants to really do. Dude. So how many, how many passes in, in scout team throughout the year did you even get to catch? Like how many, how many balls do you think were thrown to you? How many passes do you think you actually caught? 
This year, actually, I caught significantly less than I did last year. I didn't know because, you know, COVID made everything weird. So they weren't really recruiting any other walk-ons. The team was kind of small in numbers just because of, you know, guys opting not to play and things like that, where some of the older walk-ons were actually running reps with the, the ones and twos just to, you know, make sure anything happened for, for COVID precautions. So there were only like three or four walk-on receivers. So, I mean, I was catching you know, a ton of passes last year. I thought I was doing my thing. When that came back this year, uh, you know, the thing kind of shook up the way it was supposed to be where all the senior walk-ons are still down on scout and doing that kind of stuff. I'm looking around and they're like, I did all this stuff last year and I'm thinking I'm gonna have the same production this year, if not more. And then here come all the seniors from last year who were taking, you know, game reps coming back like, well, you know, this is my spot. I've earned this for three years. I'm gonna take these reps. And it's like taking a backseat to that was tough because this is the only way I have to, you know, do something because when team periods are happening, I'm not catching any passes. So my production level in my eyes was gauged on you know, how well did I do in scout? How many balls did I catch? How many, you know, attempts that I have those type of things where if those numbers are dropping, it's like, sometimes I used to joke with my friends, I'm just out there running cardio. Like, right. you know, I'm, I'm running these go routes and things like that just to, to get my steps in. Cause I know it's not coming to me. I'm just trying to, you know, help these guys out the best way I can. Man, that's tough, man. It, it, it's got to in a way strip your love for the game you know, piece by piece, like the less and less you play, the more and more you're probably like, well, one, what the hell am I doing here? And two, do I even really like this shit? Like, like, I'm, I don't even get to play. I'm not even getting to like, I don't get to do anything. Like, it, I'm, I'm saying that from experience, like my first two years, the less and less I got to play, the more and more I was like, do I even want to be here? Do I even do I even like this? Like, I mean, I don't like I don't get to play. So I really can't tell you if I like this because I'm, I'm not getting to play. So it, it just weighs on your mental. It's it's Absolutely. a real it's a real mind fuck sometimes because you're like, where's my value? Like, you know, you mentioned value. I I mentioned value earlier. Like, do you feel like that was something that maybe you struggled with, you know, when you got on the team? And if not, if it wasn't the value part of it, what do you think kind of held you back a little bit? Uh, like, you know, this is real stuff. Like everybody, you know, needs to know this, but it's kind of about how you personally attack it. And so you know, uh, Coach Hartline was like, you're going to have the most value in terms of playing by knowing, you know, every position and being able to be called on for everything like that. But in the reality of the situation, there's like 10 scholarship receivers. It's very rare that we get to a point in the in the depth chart where they're like, you know, Mar, we need you to hop in here. So for me, it was, you know, being a, a player's player, making sure, you know, guys had what they needed, just kind of bringing the energy along, keeping everybody's spirits up, just, you know, kind of making sure that practice was still fun and kind of having a good energy about stuff when when things weren't necessarily going well, especially for other people, you know, guys are out there dropping passes, not doing the things that they're used to doing, just going, kind of going over there and like, you know, got, like, you got this, uh, kind of keeping them in a positive headspace and it kind of just made everybody's energy collectively better. And I felt like that was where my value was noticed the most, just with little things like that, where mm -hmm. guys might appreciate it more than coaches. But at the end of the day, like those are the dudes I'm here for, because it's it's about the brotherhood. So, you know, sure. I would rather be in good standing with all my teammates other than the coaches. Like, that's what I'm fine with. For sure. And did you kind of know about that and that that would be maybe what you'd be asked to do more of versus playing, you know, when you accepted the position? Did you kind of, did you have a better understanding of that before you got there? Or did it take you some time to kind of get to that headspace? That's just kind of what I, I aimed to do when I first got there. I didn't know that was what was going to be asked of me, but just kind of the person I am, I knew coming to Ohio State, it was going to be we before me. And so making sure that, you know, every way I could do that, I was trying to, you know, make sure that I was making sure that the receiver room was 
as cohesive as possible and achieving the, the group goals instead of, you know, man, I'm at the back of the line for this drill or man, I'm not catching all these routes that I wanted to. Like that kind of energy is going to really, you know, drain the unit as a whole. So just kind of getting rid of that. You know, so with you making the most of it, there's 117 guys on the team. Like I said, like, what would you say if there's any, you know, sort of different and mistreatment that goes on? You know, there's 30 walk-ons, there's about 70 or so scholarship guys. Like, did you deal with anything that is like, okay, this is only happening to me because I'm a walk-on and literally just because I have that title, like whatever it might be, like what, what of that stuff went on, you know, if any, there are different variations of it, you know, just down to, you know, when I got there, I was in, I was number 38 and I was like, where, where, where did this come from? And I'm like, you know, happy to be here and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, Hey, how, how do we, end up upon this number and they were like you know you know the coaches just kind of decided that this is your number and I was like oh you know cool um you know <laughs> yeah, guys okay. are taking pictures in in you know one five six I always knew like I wasn't gonna get a single digit number nothing like that but I thought you know you would have some say hey these all the scholarship guys got to pick these are the remaining numbers you have left it then doesn't really work out like that and you know I go to try to change my number and it's just knowing that you have x amount of guys who are instantly the attention of the coaching staff first and foremost, because they've you know put so much money, so much effort, all this kind of stuff into them, just knowing that those guys have to be, you know, taken care of first or like, you know, we'll get on the game day. We're all putting on stuff. We'll have arm sleeves, armbands, all of this kind of stuff. It gets cold. We have hand warmers. It's make sure the scholarship guys are taken care of first, make sure the travel guys, which is basically the ones and twos. And then the, couple other ones who happen not to travel those guys taken care of first if we have any extra then you guys are more than welcome to have it but it's like you guys can't get this stuff until we make sure these guys have it so it's just it's stuff like that where it'll yeah. bug you at first yeah you, you kind of get used to it you get used to it yeah you i mean and like i said like that's just how some certain programs run things you know like it, if i could draw a comparison to that it's like you know, the last couple of games we've had, we've been like on the road in specific, like we're not bringing our stools for media timeouts. So like me and a couple of the guys at the end of the bench need to take the end of the bench chairs that we're all sitting in and move them out to the court so that the two coaches who sit down and our five players in the game can sit down. It's not a big deal, but, it, you know, kind of does make you feel like a semi manager sometimes. And you're like, you know, yeah. And you got the little, you got the guys in the student section talking shit to you, like saying exactly what I'm saying. And you're like, well, you know, there's literally nothing I could do. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just the way of the, the walk on world. I think that's funny though. Like if, you know, the guy sitting on the sideline in the freezing cold, that's not playing, not moving, not getting his blood flowing. Like he's sitting there freezing his ass off. He can't get a couple hand warmers. <laughs> I mean, the craziest <laughs> thing happened, you know, um, they ended up, you know, hooking me up, but we were, it was one of the coldest games of the year and, and scholarship guys and, and ones and twos get the, the heated jackets first, you know, the benches are heated out there on the field, but when they come off the field, they have to sit down. So you got to get up for them to sit down and then coats you, you can't wear a coat. You know, the only time you can have it is if you make a little alliance with a dude who plays when he goes in, <laughs> give you a coat you stay in there for, you know, the series or whatever. And when he comes out, you got to give it back to him. But like, you know, things like that, but that's funny. You got an alliance. You got it. You got a coat, a coat buddy. I mean, you, you kind of form them on the go, you know, the good ones, yeah. you know, as I got here, you are, you get one offensive one and one defensive one. You're set for the whole game. Them, right. And I'm set, but, um, you yeah, know, I'm sitting funny. on the bench. 
And I brought my hat out there. And I talked to the EQ guys. I was like, hey, you know, can I bring this hat? Cause I'm gonna be cold. And I stopped wearing my helmet cause I look like one of those goofies who was ready to get in any second. Like, you know, like, you know, it's, it's 14, 14 with a minute left to go. You know, a lobby is not coming out for me. So why sit there with this, this helmet that gets cold and when all the, the plastic and stuff hardens up. So I'm wearing my hat and it's a defensive series. And the EQ guy comes over. He's like, Hey Marv, uh, can I borrow your hat? CJ's cold. <laughs> and I'm sitting, I'm sitting there like, are we for real? He's like, yeah, CJ's cold. I give our EQ guy the hat to give to CJ for him to wear for two minutes left to go before halftime for them to go back into the locker room to get him his own hat. And they hooked me up. Like they gave me, you know, some, some extra gear or whatever for being nice, which they didn't have to do. But like, you know, just the thought of you thought ahead to bring this hat out here. Cause you knew you were going to be cold, but now you got to give it up. Right. Now you got to right. give it up. <laughs> and I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing coaches all up and down the sidelines, trainers, everybody else got a hat on coaching wise. I didn't see one coach offer to give their hat up for this man to have a hat. Okay, don't go anywhere. Last break coming up. Two hints for what's to come, even though there's like 10 more great things that we talk about. When we come back, the conversation really opens up. Marv expresses some more difficulties within the program and being able to find success there and also expresses his passion for the team and his love for being on the team, but the lack thereof from their end and being told not to come back to the team. It's pretty crazy stuff you don't want to miss. So stick with us. We'll be right back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. All right, Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network is back, and it's about to get real juicy, people. I swear, all the ins, all the outs of the walk-on life in the Ohio State football program. Marv, take us right back into it. It's just like seniority happens in any program just by oldest, 
but being a walk-on just adds a like a little asterisk next to your name where it's just like another subcategory that kind of puts you that much lower when it comes to things to do because if it was normally just seniority i'm now i would be going into my third year i would be pretty much up there in terms of you know reps i'm getting in individual practices things like that where i'm still underneath the guys who are scholarship from the beginning so as soon as guys get there in january they're already getting thrown into the rotation already getting thrown ahead of me in in drills and things like that just because coaches have invested all of this money into a scholarship athlete that they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt regardless so they have to they get to go first in most of the drills and, and things like that. Whereas, uh, you know, walk-ons, if because there's so many of us, we have timed periods. So if we only have five minutes to do a drill and they think that, you know, we're going too slow, you know, my rep's going to get cut. You know, I might not be able to do this. I might have to just watch that rep. And it's like in, in terms of learning how to do it and getting better, I was always a guy who needed to, you know, physically, you know, get it or, you know, have the opportunity to do it so I could learn how to do it. And just watching it just wasn't really you know, helping me with that process. I feel you, man. I, I'm a hands-on guy. Like, I could watch it. I could understand it and explain it to you. But when you put me on and you tell right. me to do it correctly the first time, there's probably, like, a 3% chance that I'm going to do it correctly. Like, I, I need the rep. I need, the, I need the ability to mess up, correct my mistake. Now I've gone through the motion. I know exactly what the movement is, what the action is, and so on. And so I'm the same way, bro. It's it's very hard to just – and for some people, they pick up on it super easily. They could just watch it and go do it. But, you know, when you're a walk-on and you don't have the ability to, it's like, well, fuck, how do I, how do I get better? Yeah, and you really don't have that opportunity. Like, if, if I was a scholarship guy and I really was terrible at, you know, a footwork-specific drill or, or running this kind of route, they're going to stay after and make sure that – I know how to do it or that I get an extra rep to, to correct it because they're putting so much time and energy into you that really it's impossible for those guys to fail. You might not play as much as you want to, but in terms of learning things and getting good at them, no scholarship guy on our program is not going to be able to do something because they will stay for as long as they need to stay doing that stuff because that's their, their job. Right. But for us, if I go out there and my playbook was small in high school, so I only ran the same couple routes coming up here, you know, we're probably one of the most pass heavy offenses in college football. And so there's a ton of stuff that I have never run before, before I got here. And you get, you know, maybe two times to run it. And if you screw up both those times, check your name off the list. Like, you know, that's pretty yeah, much done. That was your only chance. And it's tough because there, how am I ever going to get to running game reps in practice if I'm screwing up footwork and in individual period. So they're not going to let me run routes when it comes to that time. And so getting behind the chain like that, it's almost impossible to catch yourself up with things like that. You know, to give them like semi benefit of the doubt, like 125 kids, like it makes sense for their lack of investment in their walk-ons. Like yeah. to a certain extent, it makes sense. Like they got 75, 80 scholarship guys that, mm -hmm. you know, that they are paying for that need the work, need the reps that they are, you know, inevitably going to put more of their time and effort into. However, it feels like to me, and I could be wrong, but that there's got to be enough guys on staff where there, there should be, maybe there isn't, but there, there definitely should be a couple guys who are willing to put that investment, put that extra time into the walk-ons that want more, that want to mm -hmm. get better that want to fight for a scholarship, that maybe want to get good enough that they can go play at, you know, a lower level school and they're taking this experience to go and then do that. Like, it's hard to hear, and I've been around it, to have a, a staff and, and people that are older than you that are supposed to be teaching you that don't really care about your development. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow because you're like, well, I care about my development and I also care about this team. So I'm going to do my, my job as a teammate, but at the same time, I'm going to put in extra work, extra reps to get this. And when you don't have anybody who wants to work with you, it's like, well, now what? So you know, I and like, it's, have you felt like that? 
there there have been, but it's not like people are required to do it. So it really comes down to individual coach. And so, you know, Coach Fessler was one of the GAs for us this past year, and he was a great guy, you know, from the day I got in there, from the day he got in there, he was trying to help us along in the process, but he could only really do so much in terms of, you know, he already has these responsibilities to get these guys ready. So when he stays after to help us, that's just him, you know, loving coaching and trying to get us better. But um, by that was already going into my second year, had already been there a whole year without really having that. So I was kind of already discouraged from, a, you know, they aren't really too focused on what I'm doing in this category that my willingness, I guess you could say, to go continue to put yourself out there for them to say, you know, no, I can't do this. No, I'm not. I don't have time today. Like to continue to ask in the hopes of one day them saying yes. Like I was kind of already discouraged, whereas some of the younger guys who hadn't re- experienced that yet, you know, had the luxury of having Coach Billy. Like he was great. And so they would right. you know, want to go over there and have that kind of stuff. But it's like in the back of the head, you know, you know what their mindset is. And so it's kind of hard to like get yourself to think differently about it. And so, you know, that's kind of something that kind of kept me from doing that because like why do I keep putting myself out there because you can you know there's opportunities and drills where if you just you know keep going up there eventually they're going to let you do it you know in terms of the team setting but it sucks like you go up there for a drill and they're like no Marv like get out somebody else go in like how many times during practice are you going to want to continue to do that and hear them tell you that you can't do a drill like you're just going to want to sit back and be like you know what like maybe this is not a drill that you know they want me to do and it kind of just right. you know changes your mindset on things. You start second guessing stuff and and it's like you go from, all right, I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to just put myself out there. I'm going to try to get in this drill first couple of times. Like maybe you get kicked off. Maybe you don't get kicked off some. But then the more you start getting kicked off, the less and less you want to take that initiative to hop on the drill because you're like you're deflated. It's like, man, I'm not even I'm just I'm cool right here. I'm good. Like it, it it's a bad bro. I've I've dealt with it and it like I hate myself for it sometimes, but I'm literally like, like, you know, older people would say, well, you never know until you ask or you never know until you try. Like, and it's like, man, like, I'm pretty sure I've tried enough pretty, these right, particular right. drills right. that like I don't even I don't need the rejection again. Like, I'm right. just going to assume that I will be rejected and I'm now going to stand here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard. And chance that like they yell at me, hey, Marv, like, why didn't you get in this rep? It, it makes me smile and laugh because it's like, yeah, you know, two yeah. Days ago, yesterday, <laughs> you were just yelling at me to get out and I finally stop asking and it's like you know the scholarship guys don't want to do it so now the numbers are thin now they're looking at me you know hey hop in this drill but for the first six weeks I couldn't do it so now I'm not really great at that drill let me hop in for once and I make a mistake it's like hey like what are you doing like you should know this already it's like you know coach this is week six but this is my first time doing this drill like right. you know, I don't really know what's going on as much as the guys have been doing this all year and it's like you're never going to really have that level playing field like you just got to you just got to roll with it and kind of let it go sometimes. So you're two years in, you won the Sugar Bowl and you won the Rose Bowl your first two years and you've completed two full seasons of college football. So, you know, where are you at now? What are you ultimately hoping to gain from this experience? Is what you were hoping to gain in the beginning when you first got there different than what you're hoping to gain now, having done two full years as a wide receiver, walk on Ohio State? Like, where are you at in this situation? So from the moment I got here, I always knew that I didn't really have any NFL aspirations. So playing beyond college was was nothing I really ever gave thought to. So I knew that football would end at some point. And now as two years in, I realized that it's hard to to network. It's hard to you know have internships and do all of those things with such a heavy load on practice and things like that. So I've decided after two years that, you know, I had a couple internships lined up from before and, and having connections and things like that or that's where I want to pursue and kind of uh, enhance my professional career. So I've, you know, decided to step away from football and kind of pursue, uh, I'm into finance. So I want to be a financial advisor 
on one day. So just getting that opportunity, I decided was more important than playing for two more years, two more years if I knew I wasn't really going to play after college. And when did you ultimately, you know, make that decision? Was it middle of the year you kind of knew uh, going into the year? Did you know, all right, this is going to be my last? Like, when did it kind of hit you that I was like, you know, I'm going to just put all my eggs into one basket? So, you know, that one's actually a, a pretty detailed one. Like at the end of my first year, you really don't have an off season because it just turns into, you know, different style workouts. And so I was here for part of the summer after my first year. And, you know, I talked to my coach and they're like, hey, you know, based on guys, we have a total number of guys on the roster. And they're like, you know, hey, Marv, like with the guys coming back for the extra year of COVID and things like that, like, you know, roster size is just like not looking good for this year. Like we're going to need you to step away and, you know, you might be able to come back in January uh, just depending on number size. And that was in the middle of, of May. So then, you know, I was home June, July and partway through August. And that was tough because like two hours earlier, I was practicing with the guys running around having fun. I get a call like I, I basically had just gotten fired. And so that was a tough pill to swallow just because, you know, I didn't see any of my teammates after that, didn't see any of that kind of stuff. And it was just you know, hard to adapt to. And then, you know, God always works in a mysterious way. I get a call in the middle of August. Something happened with some guys on the team. Numbers are, are different. You know, they need they need a receiver to come in and help. They don't want to go try anybody else out because they know I've already been in the offense for a year. I know what it is to do. Coach Island calls me back. He's like, hey, Marv, like, instead of you, like, redshirting, are you going to be willing to come back and help us out this, this fall? And so I was able to hop back in, you know, do the things that I was – already planning on doing throughout this year. But ever since then, I already knew that, like, I had a thought in the back of my head, like I had already had an internship over the summer when I was at home, figured out what I loved doing and just decided, like, it really became 50-50 on whether or not I was going to continue playing or start my career path. And as I kept going through the year, it just kind of, like, made sense for me to to go out on my own terms and be able to uh, make decisions that was going to, you know, affect my personal career the best. And so I decided that, you know, getting that internship was, was going to be the most beneficial for me. So you wrap up your freshman season and then you immediately jump into spring workout, spring ball. And then, like you said, you essentially get a call that you're, you've been fired from the team, kicked off the team, not needed anymore. Um, well, that, that sucks. Like that absolutely sucks. And I, you know, I'm sorry you had to deal with that because it's like you and your mind were invested to, yeah, I'm going to be back up here in the summer. I'm going to be doing my thing. Like I got, you know, got a little bit of experience under my belt, you know, year one. I know for me, year two at my first school, year two at my third school uh, were always the easiest because it was like, well, now I'm just picking up where I left off. You know, right. there's nothing really new to learn. I'm just picking up where I left off. Now I can like sharpen the iron and get better at all the things that I was just shown. So you know, my next question was going to be, what is the worst thing that happened to you as a walk-on? And I, I would without you even telling me, I'd have to rank that up there is being yes. told you're not wanted and then being told you're wanted. So is there anything else? I mean, that's like, that's just so, I hate hearing that. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, that goes on. It, I, I bet you it's probably just based on the, the dynamics of college football, but it, it was so shocking to me because it was unexpected. You know, we have a meeting with coaches at the end of spring ball. And so, and I'm sitting down with coach day 
and I'm hearing totally different messages. You know, Coach Hartline's like, hey, you know, these are the things you kind of struggled on. This is where we want you to improve on, you know, coming up next year. And I had COVID during spring ball. And so I missed a huge opportunity for me to get better in these areas because I was out almost every practice based on getting back and having my heart scans and all that kind of stuff. So I missed that huge chunk. And then I'm sitting down with Coach Day afterwards, and he's like, you know, Marv, we need you to have a big summer. Um, there's opportunities for you to grow on the scout team and even end up running with the twos just based on numbers uh, by the end of next year coming into spring of that would have been 22. And so I'm pumped. And I'm calling my mom like, hey, mom, like this is going to be a huge summer for me. Like I got to get right. This is going to be my time. Or maybe three weeks later, like they're like, you know, yeah, you got to you know, take a step back. And it's like if that was the point, like I wish I would have known that. I wish somebody would have said that while we were having these meetings, conversations, like I had no clue. I was completely blindsided. Like I actually, the craziest thing about that was I had a terrible day that day, you know, cause they switched my position. I'm learning something new. It just wasn't a smooth day for me in, in my standards. And so I actually text coach. I'm like, Hey coach, can I come in to watch some, some film or get some corrections? I, I want to make this better. And they're like, yeah, like just two o'clock works. I'm fine. Like I'm coming in, I got my notepad and stuff. I get in the room, there's nothing up on the board. And I, I wasn't running late. I'm in there like 155. So I'm like, okay, maybe he just doesn't pull up. Then he comes in and he's sitting right next to me. Still nothing's on the screen. I'm like, what's going on? Like, I still got my notepad and everything. He's like, you know what? You know, we had this conversation, yada, yada, yada. Like, we're going to ask you to, you know, step away and, and come back, you know, come off season the next year. And it's like, thought I was coming in here to watch film. Like Time, time period. This was what month of May, 2021? Uh, May of 2021. Yeah, 2021. Like, we're in the middle of summer workouts. Just came off of running, you know, a two-minute drill on the offense, and somebody wasn't there. So instead of playing the slot, I was playing, you know, backside receiver, and it just threw off my concepts because I don't. I learned everything from that one spot, just trying to get it the best I could to maybe, you know, try to play in this spot first. And so when I got thrown over there, it was, you know, confusing for me, and I struggled that day. But I was literally just out there running two-minute, like so. I'm thinking we're going to go through connection uh, corrections and get better, and then all of a sudden I'm packing my stuff up. And going home. Uh, that's cold. That's like really, that's cold. You got a kid coming in there thinking he's going to watch some tape. You know, he's got a notebook. He's ready to learn. He's ready to get better, correct his mistakes. And the next thing you know, like the kid that wants to get better and work on his game is literally just getting the boot. Like that's cold, man. It's because I was super invested in the program and I've always put the program above myself. And so to feel that because I wasn't going in there asking for more playing time. Hey, coach, why am I not starting? Why am I not doing this? Like I accepted my role. I just loved being a part of the team and, and kind of rolling with it. So I thought, you know, it was mutual as long as I knew where I you know, stood in the on the rankings and how I could get better. that Everything was going to be smooth. But I take that back. That was the middle of June, because at the end of May, this is the craziest thing I, I never understood. Our strength staff will not let you miss a day. Of, practice, of weightlifting for any circumstance. If you miss a day, you will have to make it up. So, you know, life happens. I have, you know, a death in the family of somebody real close to me. I'm working out on Thursday. I get a text from my mom. Hey, call me when you can. I'm huffing and puffing. I'm just checking my phone. I call her and she tells me the news. I'm devastated. I'm sitting in the locker room, like completely thrown off guard. I go back in there and tell coach Mick, you know, hey coach, I'm not gonna be able to be here tomorrow, you know, I got to go be home to be with my family. And they're like, you know, uh, I'm sorry to hear about that. I, I call coach Hartline and I, I tell him like, Hey coach, I'm driving home to Cleveland right now. He's like, you know, keep me updated. Let me know when you're going to be back. You know, we got practice on Monday. And so I go home and instead of staying home to be with my family, 
I'm trying to, you know, come back out to, to be in Columbus on Monday. So I'm not missing practice. And the day of the actual funeral that next week, I remember I had two funerals in a three week span and I had to move my lift time to 6 a.m. the day of the funeral so that I wouldn't miss my lift so I could drive home afterwards to be there for my family because that wasn't a, an excuse, I guess, to, to miss a workout. And I never understood how that was how that was the thing that that just baffled me. And that was before everything happened. So you know, I'm giving everything I can. I'm trying to make all of this stuff work. I'm not taking any excuses. I never missed a day of practice just trying to put this team before myself. And two or three weeks later, they're like, you know, we're good. Like, you know, see you in a couple months. And that was it. I was like, damn, like I thought like you guys, I meant as much to you guys as you guys meant to me. Like I would feel terrible letting you guys down. I thought it was mutual, but you know, that's just kind of the way the program works. Like, man, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your loss, your losses. Um, second of all, like to not have support, you know, from people that you're giving a lot of your time and energy into, regardless of it not being 50, 50, uh, mutual, like your end, their end, maybe you're 80, they're 20 or you're 70, they're 30, whatever it is, like on the level of respect, like that's just not right. You know, like you said, life happened, man. Like, sorry, I got to miss a lift. Like, that's not cool. So how did you, you know, mentally, well, let me, let me, let me get the timeline, right? This, this death happened in the season or this death happened during all your spring workouts close to when they were going to give close, close to when, you know, that June. So I had, it was, know, it was all in May. Most of yeah, the stuff. Okay. It was a huge month. Like, you know, I learned about one of them in the middle of May. The next one happened, you know, maybe a week or two later and it's like back to back. And it's like the first one you, you get a little bit of sympathy for and they're like, man, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. The second one, they're like, you can't be for real. Like, you don't lose two people in three weeks. Like, and it's hey, like, hey, I man. wish I was lying to you. Yeah, look, I didn't, I didn't, ki- I didn't kill them. Like, they, right. you know, life like, happened, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't plan this. Like, right. not, so obviously, you know, dealing with death, not easy, had to be weighing on you mentally. And then you get this news that you're no longer on the team. And it's like, where was your head at? Like, how are was, you? You know, you had to be. Lowest, I mean, that was a, the lowest point, you know, in my life. I had ever been at like the the people who were around me it was always my family and then my team and to to kind of lose connections to now I'm still in the group chat you know guys would reach out to me occasionally uh you know things like that so it was never like you know what you know screw you in a way to to that extent but in terms of having the guys you know be around and and call and things like that nobody really knew because I was just trying to you know keep going every single day. And it was like to, to lose that, that sense of camaraderie over, you know, logistical things where it's like an uncontrollable thing too. Right. It it was, it was tough. And so then I was forced to, you know, go at home and and kind of deal with all that, you know, on my own in a sense, but I have a good structure, you know, family was there for me, everything like that. And I'm doing great now, but just being in that moment, that was a a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, man, no doubt. I bet it feels good to be out on the other side of it um, yeah but you know it's never easy for anybody and you know like there's just to be pun like in a sense punished for something that is entirely out of your control like and then ah oh, man tough 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 so you know, i keep bringing up you know there's 117 guys on your roster like what is the you know i know you went to the rose bowl you went to the sugar bowl like did you get to travel to those what is the travel dynamic for all of you guys on the team like how does how does that work there's no way the red shirts are coming and maybe even all the walk-ons are coming like what is what is that dynamic like for you guys 
Yeah, so all of our other sports, for the most part, travel commercial. So, uh, but us, whenever we fly somewhere, um, you know, we'll we'll rent the plane out or whatever to to go. So seventy guys travel. Seventy two, I think, is the the number, or something like that. But there's you know one hundred and twenty five of us, and so a little more than half go. But that's basically ones and twos on offense and defense. Um, and then special teams guys. And that was tough because I didn't know that coming in and travel, you would think is just away games. And so, uh, when you go and you get recruited, you do the walk and you're with the team and all these kind of things. And coaches are like, you know, this is something you look forward to, but they didn't tell you that that was just the travel roster. And I didn't know because I didn't know how big the team was. I'm looking at 70 guys. I'm like, well, this is you know crazy. It's a huge number. I didn't know there were 50 more, you know, sitting at home or already in the the stadium waiting on them to get there. So, you know, those 70 guys for home games are after we practice on on Friday, the the non-travel guys, that's, you know, what they call us. We go home, they stay at the facility and then they go to a hotel the night before the game just to keep everybody together um, and focus for the game. And then um, in the morning, they'll wake up, they'll have breakfast or whatever. And then they walk throughout the, kind of throughout campus and, you know, shake hands and do all the things with the fans and everybody else who isn't on that travel list is at home for that night. And then you're, uh, you're expected to wake up the next morning and, you know, find transportation to the game and be in the locker room, you know, an hour and a half before they get there so that when the travel roster gets there, you're, you're ready to go. And it was tough because, you know, I, I stayed on campus my first year, but it was COVID, so nobody really went to the game. So I was able to just kind of, you know, move around. Nobody really asked any questions. But then my second year, I would park on campus and I would walk to the stadium. Now you get the same gear, you get all the same stuff. So I'm loaded up in this, this big red travel suit, big backpack, duffel bag, all this stuff. I'm walking through campus. There's dads, there's parents, tailgates, all that stuff. And they're looking at me like, oh, what's going on with this kid? I'm like, yeah, like I'm about to walk to the stadium go through security and get into the locker room, but walking through this, the campus like that by myself, when I knew the, the guys were in the hotel eating breakfast together and doing all those things and getting ready to come was the most deflating things of game day. Like I would get to the locker room. There's, you know, the rest of the travel guys, but we kind of, you know, one or two guys at a time. So you come in, there's like 10 or 12 guys there. You dap those dudes up and you just sit in your locker and you're on your phone, just waiting for the rest of the guys to get there nothing to really eat for real, no things. And everybody else who's in the locker room or the equipment people, the trainers who are getting ready for the day. So they're just, you know, going about their thing. And the rest of us are just kind of sitting there, you know, looking at the clock, like, yeah, when the rest of the guys going to get here. And then you, you hear the, the the crowd cheering and stuff, and you know, like, ah, you know, they're walking in and then you stand up and, you know, there's the rest of the 70 guys who are, are getting ready to suit up that day all there together. And it, it was kind of the worst feeling on Saturdays knowing that like you put in the same amount of work they did all week long that, you know, walking in and being with the team was, was too much to ask in a way that they just kind of, I would say segregate, but like they like split us up and they're like, you know, you can't, you can't participate in that. Bro. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, there's not many, and this is not to be negative, but there just doesn't sound like there's a ton of like enjoyable features to being a walk-on on Ohio State's football team or probably any football team because you're at like the highest of highs like they are they're top yeah. dog 
So like sure. if you're if you're a walk on at some mid major football school, or I couldn't like, imagine. Couldn't even imagine how much worse it is. Like, cause that, you know, it's not to say like that's worse. Like, I kind of understand the dynamic, like why it is the way it is to a certain extent, but like it doesn't sound worth it. And it also doesn't really sound like you guys are really needed. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick. Sometimes I question the same thing with myself is like, is this what, how much is this walk on role really needed? And when you hear stuff like that, it's like, you just want to be a part of the team. You want to feel like everything you're doing is like, cause you're, you, you know, you're giving everything to the team. You want to feel like, man, like I'm on this team, like, and when mm-hmm. 70 other dudes are eating and sleeping at the hotel and, you know, you and the rest of the guys are just in the dorm room and you're walking through, like, it's just like, you don't feel part of it. Like you really, yeah. there had to be a sense of like, okay, I'm on this team. I have a locker. I have a Jersey. I have some gear and stuff, but like, I'm not really on this team. Like, and I mean, we could be here all day if it was really, you know, gone through all these things because last year was COVID you spread out guys. So we have 120 lockers or something in the locker room, but they want to go every other locker to keep the guys spread out. Like they hadn't just stayed in the hotel and things together. So the rest of the guys who didn't travel, which were essentially just the walk-ons and a couple uh, special teams guys were upstairs, not even in the locker room. So I remember my first game, my first home game, I went to check the locker room out there. Like, yeah, you guys are upstairs. I went upstairs. It was all my stuff, you know, folded up together on like this fold-out chair with my nameplate on it. So I knew that was mine. I'm sitting there and I, I just looked at the locker room and I, I had to go upstairs and it's like, you know, 30 chairs or whatever. And it's like, man, like I'm happy to be a buck. I got the big O on my chest and everything like that. But it's like music's blasting downstairs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just sitting up in my, you know, chair on my phone and stuff. And it was it was a very separate feeling. And like you had to be up there. Like you weren't allowed to just go you know, sit on a chair near, you know, Justin Fields or so, or whoever your boy was at it's the time and, the, like, kick it, like. It wasn't the players. Like, the dudes would, you know, see me like, Marv, what's up? Like, where have you been? I was like, you know, my locker's upstairs. And they're confused because it's not them who, you know, picks this stuff out. Like, if it was right. their choice, we'd all be doing everything together. Right. But um, you could. But it was just for, like, a pride thing for me. Like, I wanted to stay up there because, you know, I got a call, like, hey, we're trying to cut down numbers of guys on our warm-ups. We don't want you to do warm-ups either. So it's like, why am I going downstairs? And I hear everybody's going out for warm-ups. I can't do warm-ups. So I'm just going to chill up here so that I ain't got to watch everybody else leave and do like that. Because, you know, at the beginning, that was I was tough to hear. But then I got used to it. Right. And yeah. you become a that. Yeah. So like, like you just said, like you, you know, you get told to get off this drill. You get told we need a less. We don't need as many guys for warm-ups. Like you, you're taking jab after jab throughout your two years. Like, how are you responding? Like, in the moment, it can't be easy, and it's got to be like this, man, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, 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 what is in your mind when it hits you, and then what is in your mind that you're learning from these things? Like, what are these subtle little kind of, you know, disrespectful, in a way, they're disrespectful moments? Like, what are they teaching you, like, in the long run? I mean, my parents always told me life wasn't fair. It's not equal. And if I was one of the guys who – I wasn't a, a, a big fame guy in high school anyway. Like it was always team atmosphere there too. So I wasn't ever the guy. So that transition wasn't as tough as it could be for guys who were the superstar was, you know, doing everything like that for their home team, but to get up there and to, to realize that you just had to chalk it up to, you know, that's what life was like. Cause week in and week out, something was basically happening once a week. And if it wasn't, you could always count on Tuesday tackle period where it was just basically skill walk-ons lining up, and running at our defense and we were, you know, the, the tackle dummies for, for 10 minutes on Tuesdays every week. You were and just so, getting tackled. You're just getting yeah. fucked up out there. 
you got you got one cut. You had they told you which direction to run. You could only make one cut, and you couldn't lower your shoulder and just try to like completely run them over because we would get yelled at when kids were getting hurt like that. So you were essentially you had to get low to you know, protect yourself, but you weren't you know going head to head trying to you know knock them out because we want to protect our defensive guys. So you were essentially right. just tackled for ten minutes. And it's only the scout, it's only the scout team guys because they don't want to put scholarship guys out there. So this year it was only five of us, and there's probably 25 DBs, and we're just going over and over and over and over again for this, you know, six minute, seven minute period. Just you know, we're getting teed off. Of Jesus, yeah. bro. Yeah, that is just like talk about another deflating feeling. Like you're just getting five, six, seven, eight minutes in a row of just like abuse. <laughs> I accepted abuse. Sucks. And the, the crazy thing is, is like if because I used to stiff arm, like that was my thing in high school. I did it my first year. I kind of got yelled at, like, you know, hey, you know, this is the defensive period. You're not supposed to make them look bad. Like if you make a miss, it's like, you know, ah, it, that's okay. But the way that they cheer when these guys make these hits, it's like, you know, like I'm not oh my god, bro. I know, to- I know exactly what you're talking about. We do this drill, it's like a three-man. Uh, they're kind of running like a simulation of like our continuity offense and the two big start on the block and the point guard is up at the top of the key. And it literally just turns into a dunk fest. Like, it, cause we are like the two guys guarding the bigs are just constantly going. We're not getting a sub. So we're going, 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 going. And so like each time one big comes off, the next two bigs come on fresh and like, it's a, it's a dunk fest and all the guys are screaming and going crazy. And it's like, we're not allowed to swipe down. We're only allowed to wall wall straight up, like no real jump jumping and, and contesting the shot. And it's like, dude, I, you're literally like, okay, fine. Like I'm the walk on fine, but like, don't set me up to fail. Like it's summer workouts. Let me jump with them. Let me like contest with them a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll know my limits. I won't hurt them. I won't whatever jam his finger. Like, but it's like, damn, like, you guys are cheering. I have these 10 limitations on me. Right. And that's the only reason you're allowed to be doing this stuff you're doing. You're not dunking on someone like that. You're not hitting someone, you know, in your sake in, in a game like that. It's like, it's just, I don't know. The set you up for failure thing is so funny because it's like, you want me out here competing. I'm trying to be competitive, blah, blah, blah. But I can't, can't even really be as competitive as I want to. I got, I got one more quick one. Like we're at the Rose Bowl site. We only tackle you know one day like full go and then we start taking off thigh pads just to you know keep the guys fresh so it's on one of those wednesdays where we only are in shoulder pads but no no leg pads like no uh, knee pads or anything and so that's how we knew as walk-ons like if we got through the week without knee pads like we didn't have to do tackles so if we didn't do it on tuesday we were smooth because wednesday we took the, the knee pads off so it's wednesday of the the rose bowl week no knee pads or anything and they blow whistle for tackle circuit again. I'm like, we just did this yesterday. Like, you know, what are we doing? We go off and it's supposed to be a tag off period. And so you go give the guy a little move and he just firms up on you, but nothing to the ground. We're going, we're going, we're going. And this one kid just keeps messing up and he's not being physical enough and he has to play this week. So they're just hyping him up. So I have to keep going with this kid because he's just not thudding up hard enough. Next thing I know, we go to make a move. He goes and just tries to level me, takes my feet and just slams me in the ground. And everybody's cheering like, hey, you know, great job, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, nobody told me it was full go. Nobody told me we were going, you know, full contact to the ground. I made no move to kind of like lower my shoulder or anything. And they're cheering like this kid just had this all-star hit. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, right. what does, what good does that do? 
Dude, yeah. ultimately, ultimately, like it, it's embarrassing for us too. Like, I mean, you got yeah. picked up and body slammed into the ground, like, and you got a bunch of people cheering for you. I bet you, I bet of all the people watching that, you probably had less than five people say, "Yo, you good, bro? Like, you all right?" Like, nah. you probably didn't even have three people ask you, dude. That is, that's ultimately like what it comes down to. Is sometimes it's like the embarrassment, the embarrassment level to it is like, all right, yeah. I'm doing this, I'm putting myself out there, and, and like I'm really trying to help the team, but like. I mean, fuck, you're not going to just, like, pick me up and slam me. Like, I, really? I mean, I'm not a football player, so it's probably hitting my mind a little bit differently because, like. But if, but then if I were to get upset, I'm trying to, you know, check the kid, like, yo, you know what you're doing? Now I'm in the wrong. Yes. Like, you're, yes why, are you're, we playing, why are we doing this and this and that? Right. Not paying attention to the rules, not caring that this, putting me at risk. Like, I had just taken off the knee brace and two right. weeks ago. It was from tackle circuit. So I'm already heated that I still got to do it. And we're, we're still going. I'm heated. But if I was the one to initiate something, like. I'm in nah, yeah god forbid like you stick up for yourself in an instance where like something wasn't fair i mean dude it's very funny the the parallels uh from your football journey and my basketball journey and just some of the you know the initiations we've taken to get on the court get on the field getting kicked off some of this just i, I don't want to use the word unfairness i mean yes it's unfair but like i don't say it's unfair and i don't say it to like voice that like i am bothered by it like I was bothered by it. It was something that took some getting used to. And I'm sure it was the same for you where it was like, I really just like, I'm not accustomed to this sort of treatment. Mm -hmm. And then once you kind of like dove into your everyday reality of like, this is what it was for you. And it's like, okay, fine. I don't care that it's not fair. Like I'm just going to do what I can do to the best of my ability and the opportunities that I'm given so on mm -hmm. and so forth. So what do you think like doing that, you know, you, you get kicked, you get sort of kicked off the team. You get put back on the team. You ride out this second year. You go to the Rose Bowl. You get to experience that. And then at the end of the year, you ultimately step away. Like, where do you feel like these two years have taken you? Like, what do you feel like they've done for you that you'll take with you, you know, be able to look back on some of these, you know, not so fun experiences, but experiences that you can take with you. And I bet in a couple of years, because it's the same for me, like you wouldn't trade them. Like you saw a bunch of stuff, you got to experience a bunch of things that ultimately like helped shape you into a better man mm -hmm. and, and, and cattle and catapulted you into pursuing your, your, your bigger dreams. So what do you think you're going to take away from, you know, some of these not so pretty moments and, and even some of the good ones, but just this experience as a whole that as you step away, put your eggs into this, you know, this basket of, of financial advisor and, and what you want to pursue, like, what do you feel like this is, is giving you in terms of when you pursue this next path? Connections. I mean, just the people I've met these past two years and just becoming genuinely, you know, brothers with a lot of these guys, guys that from the outside looking in, like you hear, I'm a walk on you here, you know, Chris Olave is a, a first overall draft pick coming up this year. Like you would never think how close we were throughout the season, how much we'd laugh and joke and, you know, do all these kind of things where it's not just receivers in general. Like, you know, I just ran into, you know, Trey Henderson yesterday or not yesterday, a few days ago uh, out on campus and the way we just kind of reconnected, like, Hey bro, how have you been? Like, you know, what have you been doing lately? Things like that, where the brotherhood is real when, you know, you hear about Ohio state and things like that. But if we're being honest, it's really between just the players, like coaches will treat guys a little differently based on this and this and that, but everybody within the program, player for player, if if you buy into what it is that, you know, the, the team is about in the culture, the the friendships, the the connections, the everything is just going to, you know, that's the most impactful thing. And so that's something I'm, I'm never going to 
you know, take for granted where I'll, I'd rather have done everything and experienced everything the way that I did, knowing that I got to get as close as I was to all of those guys where, you know, regardless of if I'm not playing, we're, we're still close. I still get text messages. I still get phone calls and things like that. And it's like, you pick off, pick up right where you left off whenever you see him next. And it's, that's the best part. It's super cool too, because with all the separation that you kind of experienced that you've explained, like you still were able to cultivate, you know, good relationships with a lot of those guys. You know, I bet that that's something that'll hold, hold true for you is because it's the same with everybody, especially all the people that I talk to on the podcast is like the connections they make, the relationships that they build, like they really are like, you know, something that you wouldn't trade because like, especially all the shit you got to go through. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same. Like the, I, I look at my first two years of college and I'm like, well, had I not gone through that, like I wouldn't have these 15 dudes that are some of my best friends. Like, right. so you right. wouldn't trade for the world. And, you know, I, I think that that's, an important thing to not overlook and also it's it's a little bit more of a comforting thought to know like all right i came out of here you know this was a little rough this was a little tough but like i came out of here with knowing some good people meeting some good people um mm-hmm. the last thing i want to ask and you know i asked what you were kind of taught what you kind of will learn and take from this um but what has like seeing that world seeing this side of college football and now kind of going into your next you know, endeavor as you finish up your last two years and get your degree, like, what do you think it's done seeing this world done for your perspective on life, on yourself, and just how you kind of see things? It was really just, it was a learning experience. You know, I didn't come from a super athletic family or anything like that, where this was an expectation or reality that we were used to. So every step of the way, it was something new and just being able to, to learn from that and have wisdom with you know, maybe, maybe my kids or the, the next, you know, great player to come through my school where they can know, you know, hey, you know, Marv went through this process, give him a call, see if he can give you any information. Like sometimes I get DMs from just, you know, guys who heard about me from the area just asking me questions. And like I always try to respond and always try to give information when I can, because I wish I had somebody who was older than me who could kind of show me the way, teach me, you know, some of the things I could have expected when I got here. So just taking it all in as like a learning experience and and knowing that for whoever I can pass this information to for the next time will be, you know, that much better off than I was when I started. But I'm just glad that, you know, people can really get a perspective on, on why it is that, you know, I make the decisions I make and, and how life kind of sways this way. Because, you know, you'll tell people, hey, you know, I got an internship or, uh, oh, you know, I'm stepping away from football, you know, even back home or friends are like, man, you play for Ohio State, like that's so cool. Millions of guys want to do what you're doing. And it's like, you know, lots of kids want to do it. Lots of people want to be in my shoes, but it's like, it's all great when you're hosting up the the sugar bowl trophy or the Rose bowl trophy. And I will never forget those, but it's like, if you knew what happened every single day leading up to those points, you know, at some point, like it shakes itself out. Like you have one good day or, or, you know, a week's worth of good days, but you've already gone through six months of like struggle. Like shit is real. (laughs) For sure. And so like just being able to voice that so people understand, like it's not all, you know, what people make it seem on camera and, and having all that stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. more it's free gear. No, man, I appreciate you shining the light on it. And you know, the idea here is like anybody listening, you know, to find inspiration from a story like this. And honestly, I think it's cool because, you know, now that this is out there in a couple of years, like whatever you're doing and wherever you're at, like you come back on the pod. And you shine light on like how you'll have a better perspective even then, like four or five years from now on, like what really being a walk on did for you. Because 
you're only you're just you just exited the mix like you mm -hmm. just got out of it so like when you're really close to it when you're very close to a situation sometimes it's hard to you know kind of analyze everything right away and it's just it's so fresh it's the last two years of your life like it's literally it's all you know right now right. so five years from now when you get away from this shit you're gonna have a ton more perspective and a ton of memories that pop up and, and flare up on you that you're like okay that's why this is this that's why i am that and it all kind of pieces itself together i know for me it's done the same exact thing like i'm i've been my last year of being a walk-on but like mm -hmm. I've, i have four years prior to this to already have reflected on and three different schools you know to kind of circulate with so i mean i, I just want people that are that are listening to to hear the inspiration or, or find the inspiration you know because there's there's a lot of a lot of good stuff here um and it's great for people to hear so i i want people to understand like that you lived a walk-on journey that like regardless of you signing up for it you didn't have a written contract of every little thing that you were going to endure during that time everything that popped up in your experience was like completely spontaneous for you you had no you had zero clue any of those things were going to occur so right. that battle tested you like you took those jabs, you took them right to the jaw, you took them right to the chest, you took a body slam right into the turf, like, yeah, you know, like, and you Thank had you to, well. you had to respond, you had to keep it rolling. And, and so like, I want you to, you know, finish it up with just like what you hope, you know, people can gain from, from listening, you know, to your story. Just that, you know, everybody's story is different, you know, just from the guys I've seen come before me, you know, I have a, a buddy who is in the NFL right now who started as a walk on here. And so, just because this is how my story works, this is, you know, what was beneficial to me doesn't mean that, you know, being a walk-on at a, a big university is terrible anywhere you go or it, that it's amazing anywhere you go. It's really individual to you, your mindset, your ability, the approach that you take and things like that. So just the more that people can hear both sides, the good and the bad, and just kind of my biggest thing is if you have all the information, you make the decision based on what you want to do not sign up for something, hoping it's one way or thinking it's one thing, then you get in the mix and it's completely different. You know, if you love to do it, do it. If you don't really think you can do it or don't want to do it, that's fine. But I feel like everybody should know the whole story, the full information and be able to, to gauge your interest, your love for it based on that. Preach. I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story um, and really laying it out there. You know, you didn't go through two easy years. You went through some stuff that I'm sure a lot of people after one jab, would have been gone after two jabs would have been like all right I, I probably can't do this and you know quit pretty quickly like to ride it out to give that much to a program and to a team who really didn't really give a shit to you know improve that to give it back to you and that's not a shot at ohio state like it, it's not a knock on them like this is just the circumstances this is the way of the world yeah, it is, yeah. this is how some of this stuff kind of unfolds for people but it's a true testament to your strength your perseverance and you know you as a person so I appreciate you sharing your story. Appreciate you coming on the pod, man. And, and I hope everybody who listened um, enjoyed Marv's story. So thank you, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap. What a banger. Um, Marv is a fucking beast. And I couldn't have enjoyed putting this interview together more for him because, man, he deserves it. And I'm just glad I was able to help put his journey and his story together into this podcast and put it out there for people to listen to and to learn something from and to find inspiration from because the adversity and the grind and the battle that he went through every day for two years and just constantly putting himself out there and putting himself in uncomfortable situations after uncomfortable situations just to continue growing and learning and becoming a better person is ultimately just why this is so amazing and uh like i said marv is a great guy talking to him was 
super fun. You know, we chopped it up for probably 55 minutes, another hour after the episode wrapped. Just kicking it, man. Marv is a, is a great dude. And, um, you know, like I said, really enjoyed being able to put this out there for him. And I, and I just hope that everybody who listened uh, also enjoyed big things that come from Marv. And I'll have more on Marv on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok throughout the weeks. Uh, and you can find that on the Walkie Talkie socials at WTZ Podcast to continue highlighting his amazing story and journey. Super grateful for him coming on the show. And that's it. I got to wrap it up here. We've gone too long already today. So, uh, you know, whoever did stick with us throughout the entirety of this episode, much love to you. Very much appreciate it. Um, but we'll cut it here. Remember, please subscribe to the pod to be notified every week when new episodes come out. And please leave the show a review if you enjoyed this or even if you didn't enjoy it. Let us know what you think. Uh, all reviews are appreciated. So thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll be back next week. And remember, double sub cute. Walkie Talkies podcast has been a presentation of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you and when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.